Daniel chapter 2, verses 31 through 49. You saw, O king, and behold, a great image. This image, mighty and of exceeding brightness, stood before you, and its appearance was frightening. The head of this image was fine gold, and its chest and arms of silver, its middle and thighs of bronze its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of clay. As you looked, a stone was cut out by no human hand, and it struck the image on its feet of iron and clay and broke them in pieces. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold all together were broken into pieces and became like the chaff of the summer threshing floors. And the wind carried them away so that not a trace of them could be found. But the stone that struck the image became a great mountain and filled the whole earth. This was the dream. Now we will tell you, we will tell the king its interpretation. You, O king, the king of kings, to whom the God of heaven has given the kingdom, the power and the might and the glory, and into whose hand he has given wherever they dwell, the children of man, the beasts of the field, and the birds of the heaven, making you rule over them all, you are the head of gold. Another kingdom inferior to you shall arise after you. And yet a third kingdom of bronze, which shall rule over all the earth. And there shall be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron, because iron breaks to pieces and shatters all things. And like iron that crushes, it shall break and crush all these. And as you saw, the feet and toes, partly of potter's clay and partly of iron, it shall be a divided kingdom. But some of the firmness of iron shall be in it. Just as you saw iron mixed with the soft clay, and as the toes of the feet were partly iron and partly clay, so the kingdom shall be partly strong and partly brittle. As you saw the iron mixed with soft clay, so they will mix with one another in marriage. But they will not hold together, just as iron does not mix with clay. And in the days of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Nor shall the kingdom be left to another people. It shall break in pieces all these kingdoms and break them to an end. And it shall stand forever, just as you saw that a stone was cut from a mountain by no human hand and that it broke in pieces the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold. A great God has made known to the king what shall be after this. The dream is certain and its interpretation sure. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell upon his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, Truly your God is God of gods and Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and many great gifts and made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise men of Babylon. Daniel made a request of the king And he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel 
remained the king's court. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Okay, so after three days, we're finally, Greg, at the at the pinnacle point of this story. It's taken a little while to unfold, but you know, just as a quick recap, Nebuchadnezzar has a crazy bad dream, but um, you know, unlike how you and I probably deal with crazy dreams, he gathers his whole council of uh, you know magicians. Um, and wise men. I don't know. Maybe you call your magician friends when you have crazy dreams, <laughs> but um, I generally just like watch Instagram reels or something <laughs> until I'm settled back down. But uh, he he calls together all these people and, and says, "You need to tell me what this dream meant." But I'm not going to tell you what it is. You have to tell you have to tell me the dream and its interpretation, or I'm going to kill all of y'all. And you know, then of course Daniel catches wind of this right before the slaughter. Um, you know, ensues. And then he he has this awesome prayer in yesterday's reading, or, or not really a prayer, but really a doxology about God. And then today he actually goes and he fulfills the mission. He tells Nebuchadnezzar very specifically what the dream was, including all these very specific details about materials and bronze and clay. And then he gives a very specific interpretation. Uh, and, you know, you have to love Daniel's boldness here because he's basically telling Daniel, uh, in the words of Johnny Cash, God's going to cut you down. <laughs> <laughs> and then, man, Nebuchadnezzar has one of the most complicated relationships with Yahweh of anyone in the Bible. Oh, yeah. Because it's it's just this weird game of ping pong. But he falls down and repents. And then just like that, these four Hebrew men are for the most powerful men in Babylon, uh, just overnight. So, Greg, please tell us what you think about this awesome passage. Oh man, uh, there's so much going on here. I know, I know. Um, I mean, I think like you know, I think one of the first things to to kind of cover is you know, like the the understanding of the dream about the you know the empires to come, mm. which I mean, looking at it backwards through world history. You know, it's 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 cool to see that like he's saying like, you know, Nebuchadnezzar is the head of gold, that the you know the the Medo Persian Empire is next, then the Greeks and then the Romans, mm-hmm. and then obviously like the stone striking all these empires, right, and then turning into a giant mountain that takes up the world. Like he's he's telling, like him, and Nebuchadnezzar obviously can't see this far out, but we know looking back, he's telling him like, you know, Christ is coming. I was gonna say Jesus. Is coming. Christ's kingdom is coming. Crazy, and it's so cool to look Crazy. back at it and be like, you know, he's he's sort of pointing you in this direction. And I think like one as a Christian, it's just it's it's beautiful to read anytime, whether it's in Isaiah or whether it's John the Baptist, anybody talking about Christ is coming, mm-hmm. right? Because mm-hmm. we, you know we see Christ come uh, uh, once and he's coming again. Mm-hmm. And so this is I think just as a Christian, it's so encouraging to be like to read words. We're like. Like Christ is coming again. Someday those clouds are going to roll back like a scroll, come on. and 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 you know Jesus Christ is going to come be with His people, and that's just amazingly encouraging. Um, I think it's also cool that this is like sort of a nexus uh, in the Old Testament. Like mm-hmm. if you think of of um, you think of the the New Testament, you know the, the Gospels and the coming of Jesus Christ as being sort of the event that all of world history turns on. Like everything leads to that moment and proceeds from that moment. Jesus Christ, the God man, right? Um, I think that this is like a, a, like a, maybe a smaller nexus in the Old Testament where 
you know, you read Deuteronomy and Leviticus and you read what God says about, you know, I'm going to make a covenant with you and you mm-hmm. keep the covenant. This is what I'm going to do. And if you break the covenant, this is what, I, what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. And Daniel is a moment where we get to see the covenant was broken and the Israelites are undergoing the punishment that was promised mm-hmm. in those books. And so this this book and this time fits together very much with like Jeremiah and Ezekiel. Like there's all these other Old Testament books that you read together yeah. that are all kind of happening around the same time. This is a huge moment mm-hmm. in scripture and Daniel's in the middle of it. And what is happening in the middle of like the worst thing to happen to the Israelites that will traumatize them. I mean, you think of how many books after this, Ezra and Nehemiah are a result of what's happening here. And what is, what is God talking about? Like, what is God's dream that he sends to Nebuchadnezzar for Daniel to interpret? It's that Christ is coming, Mm. right? It's not like things are so bad right now. It's like, look, look what is coming. And maybe not in the timing you wanted, but what is coming is true salvation. Mm -hmm. And I think that like, as, 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 as a Christian, I read this passage and I think one, what an encouragement to think that no matter what happens in this world, Christ will come again. And like, I love the idea of that. I love the idea of finally like being with him, seeing him with my own eyes. But then also, no matter how bad things get, no matter what's going on in the world, no matter how you think society or everything else is collapsing, God's message is one of hopefulness. Mm-hmm. Of like, if you look to him, it doesn't really matter what's going on around you. If you mm-hmm. look to him, the horizon is always bending towards God. And mm-hmm. I just think that's an awesome encouragement. Amen. Amen. Well said. I love this mountain image, you know, quick survey of mountains in the Bible. Uh, so we have this place called um, Mount Sinai, um, which is also called Mount Horeb. And uh, it's where Moses finds a burning bush as he's a, outcast you know homeless nomad shepherd and it's where Yahweh reveals himself and his personal name and then it's actually where Moses returns after the exodus with you know the entire nation of Israel and God appears again and gives the law Um, and then moving forward you know we have Jesus uh, he he goes up on the mountain all Mount of Olives all the time to abide with God's spirit Mm -hmm. and to be alone in the presence of God. And then we have Christ crucified on Calvary, um, you know, the, the hill or tiny mountain. And then, uh, but before that, sorry, uh, you know, there's the Mount of Transfiguration. Mm -hmm. So uh, there's this epic, epic, epic moment that is basically this huge Exodus reprise moment involving Jesus, Moses, and Elijah, you know, mountains. And and then the mountain of God is, you know, kind of the symbol of God's kingdom Mm -hmm. and throughout the prophets and revelation. And the temple is on Mount Zion. Mountains are always associated basically with the presence of God and God's kingdom and rule. Right. And I mean, it makes sense because, you know, I mean, Thomas Nelson uh, at the time of recording right now, he's out West, um, you know, in Glacier National Park, and he's been sending me photos to make me jealous. So Tom, <laughs> if you're listening to this, I don't appreciate it um, or I didn't appreciate it. And anyways, you know, these stunning mountains, like when you look at a mountain, it's it just says majesty, mm-hmm. it just says you are small, you know, it, it says you know, this is beauty, this is grandeur, this is majesty. And it 
always points back to the presence of God Mm -hmm. and specifically God drawing near to his people. And so I find it really interesting, you know, sorry, that was a little long winded, but that that image of a mountain, you know, that uh, the rock becoming a mountain and, you know, Christ is uh, called the, the stumbling block or the rock of offense. Um, that that and turning into a mountain is what is going to upend these kingdoms of earth. And, you know, there's this final kingdom that Daniel talks about that it's going to be like iron and clay and it just won't hold together. And that then through that kingdom, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that shall never be destroyed. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I I just think of the Roman Empire, uh, which is literally this massive epic empire that just straight up could not hold together. Mm -hmm. You know, there was too much going on. It it was, it was too big. It was too diverse and and it just split off. It it dissolved. And the kingdom that was set up in the midst of it, you know, has continued to, and is why I find Christianity so, so compelling is that every other religion, every other worldview, including humanist secularism, is so easily associated with one type of people in mm-hmm. one part of history and one part of the world. In Christianity, you know, the the kingdom of God, every culture, every continent, every moment in history, the church has advanced. Mm-hmm. And it's not because the church is a w- real well-oiled machine. It's actually a big mess. <laughs> but it's because God is true. Yep, And he sets up the kings, even kings, who, you know, think that they are, you know, going to bring down God's people, even kings who are opposed to God. God is setting them up and giving them, as Daniel says, giving them a rule and a reign and power and authority. Um, but they, they will eventually fall, but mm-hmm. the kingdom of God will advance on. That's awesome. Um, I love the idea that, you know, um, that you talk about that that the gospel, the kingdom of God, is not associated with anyone, with any one people. Mm. You know that we don't we don't think of it as being like culturally located, as opposed to um, that the the gospel is universally applicable to mankind. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't matter the time period, it doesn't matter the empire, it doesn't matter the language, it doesn't matter the context. Mm-hmm. Like that it that it is universal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a great reminder because sometimes we think of ourselves as being like, you know, like the like the gospel's Western or the gospel's American or it's, you know, it, you get trapped in that kind of thinking. Yeah. Um, and I love the idea that, that you bring up that um, the universality of it and the way that like how, how incredible, incredible it will be to see the church united across time, across language, across culture, all of us together mm-hmm. singing the praises of God um, and that he, a kingdom that can't hold together because it's too diverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, he smashes and creates a kingdom that is incredible the most diverse thing you could ever imagine that will never, never fade away. I think that's an incredible idea. Amen. Well, powerful word. Um, the book of Daniel, it's only going to get crazier and better from here. So come back tomorrow and we'll see you tomorrow for Greg Conley. This is Will Carlisle. Don't let me get mixed up and we will see you tomorrow on our daily rhythm. Thanks for listening to our daily rhythm. I'm Jason Dees, one of the pastors of Christ Covenant, and Our Daily Rhythm is a ministry of our church designed to help you more faithfully and effectively meditate on God's Word. 
If you ever have a question for us about one of our Bible readings or one of your own Bible readings, please don't hesitate to text us at 404-465-1737. Again, that's 404-465-1737. Or email me directly at jason at christcovenant.com. We'll meet you again tomorrow for our daily rhythm.